Hi, this is presenter Crystal Dinapoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. Yama, and welcome to Indigenuity on 3 Triple R. This is a weekly conversation with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. I'm your host, my name's Crystal Dinapoli, and we are joined by the wondrous Alex Watts on the panel. So thrilled to be back for our third show of 2024, <laughs> just getting started, but still in that very interesting time here at Triple R where we're transitioning from our summer broadcast shows back to regular programming. Um, it's been very wonderful to hear from a new range of voices across the summer, uh, and I look forward to hopefully um, hearing those voices throughout the year too, you know. To begin, I do want to acknowledge that Triple R is broadcasting from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. If you are out and about on Wurundjeri country at the moment, I do encourage you to pay attention to the seasonal markers that we can see changing. We're currently in the local season of Bitterup, where you'll be seeing brown butterflies in abundance, which I have been enjoying, as well as the Southern Cross sitting pretty high in our sky. And so we acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land and their legacy as the world's first astronomers, storytellers and songs people and pay our respects to their elders past and present. I also extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people tuning in today. Uh, And I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the outstanding work of war, so warriors of Aboriginal resistance, for once again facilitating a protest on Friday uh, to be thoroughly proud of. So it was the largest crowd I've seen in recent years. Uh, It was a privilege to hear from the voices who spoke across the day. Uh, Although pretty heartbreaking, I really did admire the courage of April Day in sharing um, her truth-telling about Victoria Police, despite their looming presence on the day. I thought that was very courageous, what she did. Uh, Grateful to Naya Kagori for directing the tens of thousands strong crowd with such diligence and care. I was inspired by Sissy Austin for demonstrating her journey of healing despite being denied justice. Uh, And it was also an honour to unite with our Palestinian brothers and sisters and standing in solidarity against colonial violence and to call for a ceasefire, land back and justice. So we're about to have a conversation with Evelyn Araluen. Apologies. Evelyn is a Bundjalung poet, researcher and co-editor of Overland Literary Journal. Her widely published criticism, fiction and poetry has been awarded the Nakata Brophy Prize for Young Indigenous Writers, the Judith Wright Poetry Prize and a Wheeler Centre Next chapter fellowship and she is also the 2022 winner of the stellar prize for her first book drop bear evelyn is one of over 30 first nations writers to be published in the new poetry anthology woven which weaves together first nations voices from around the globe edited by anne marie terwui published by magabella books commissioned by red room poetry evelyn welcome to indigenuity Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you on. This has been a long time coming for me, so thank you for spending uh, the time with us here today. I wanted to start off by asking if you could tell us a bit about what this theme and word of woven means in the context of this new anthology. Yeah, so um, woven is a really interesting thing to think about and weaving is an interesting thing to think about in this context of global um, Indigenous connections and interrelationships. Weaving is a practice that many different cultures share, um, whether, you know, you're weaving a dilly bag um, or whether you are weaving, um, you know, nets and fish traps and things, um, eel traps, you know, it's a a pretty... um, 
relatively universal experience for different Indigenous groups because weaving is something that you do with found natural materials in your area to better work with the environment. And that classifies, you know, that's a really qualifying structure of our relationships of sustainability with the environment. And then weaving is also, you know, that's a that's a familial practice. It's a thing that we pass down to our children that, you know, um, certainly in my community, weaving is something that, you know, really defines um, women's practices and um, our relationships, you know, sitting down with my sister and her showing me how to weave is a really strong way of us practicing our culture. And so I can definitely understand, you know, um, Annie's uh, appreciation for this term and that being a unifying term for the different forms of interrelationship and conversation that different Indigenous groups and individuals can be having with each other. Um, So to think about weaving words together, you know, you're using multiple different threads and the threads are different languages and experiences, but they come together and they create, you know, a a beautiful vessel for something important. Yeah, wonderful. And so how do we see that, I guess, manifest through the book? Because you're quite literally, each piece that we're getting is the weaving of two voices. Yeah, absolutely. And like Annie directed the sort of the decision making behind who would be paired with each other, which I think is, um, you know, that that comes down to, you know, her having this deep knowledge of everybody's work that she wanted involved in this project. So the basic kind of logic is that, two different um, Indigenous peoples from two different Indigenous nations from different parts of the world come together to create something. And Annie it was there to guide us if, if we wanted that, but mostly she was just there to introduce us to people that maybe we already knew them, maybe we didn't. Um, some of the really heavy hitters of the whole collaboration are people like uh, Linda Tawaii Smith and Jackie, Annie Jackie Huggins, um, and, like, they've known of each other's work intellectually and they've worked, you know, they've worked in this area of um, Indigenous critical theory for a really long time and so to bring them together for something creative I think is, is just so powerful um and you know and then the kind of more poetic dialogues that come from people whose work you know resonates with each other already so um uh, Ali Kobi Ekerman and Joy Harjo I mean that I that's a really inspired collaboration and conversation because they both write with such a sense of familial history but also in this kind of um you know, this this cadence, this um, feeling of the perpetuity and survival of their respective Indigenous cultures. Um, so, you know, we, we, we get partnered with someone and Annie knows this is going to work and, you you know, you have to trust Annie. And, and, and so she's just like, no, this is going to happen. This is going to be amazing and you're going you're gonna to have such a good time. And she totally, you know, hit it out of the park with all of these, all of these conversations and collaborations and working with Anahedo Gildea was just like, oh, my God, she was a genius, of course. Of course that was going to work. Um, it's just finding the one thing that you can do with each other in the context of a poem, I guess, because when you get to sit down with somebody who, you know, who you fit with and they might be from a different nation, um, but, you know, you've got you've got that connection and relationship from the moment um you know not just in terms of shared experiences of indigeneity but also indigeneity but also you know um 
your creative, your cultural interests and experiences. Um, so yeah, it was a really cool. It was a really cool project. Like I think it's. I hope she keeps doing it because it it worked really well. I reckon. Oh, I think so. It's incredible as well. I guess having. Um you know, very powerful uh, voices in writing with very unique experiences and then seeing, I guess, the, the even more unique things we can draw out of their, um, I guess, uh, I was going to say joined brainwaves. My, my brain's thinking in an interesting way. But you come up with something that's just so unique and something that really um, could only be brought out by the two coming together. And in particular, your piece, I really love. Um, absolutely gorgeous. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about your collaboration with Anahera Gildia. Yeah. Um, so... She's amazing. Um, uh, So she is a Maori um, poet and creative practitioner and also a community worker. And Annie, I think, knew that not only we had points of connection, but also that Anahira has – she's done things that, like, I want to be doing, you know, like she guides her practice, her creative practice, with a real sense of, like, community responsibility and engagement. But she's also somebody who is, like, deeply protective of her own peace, which is something that I haven't ever managed to to grasp. Mm. So I think Annie set us up for this dialogue in a creative manner, um, hoping that we would produce an interesting poetic object. But also I think, like... You know, she knew that I would admire Anahera and that something really um, inspiring would come out of that conversation, whether or not it could be contained within the structure of, of the poem that we produced. Um, and and I think Anahera was the one who was really like, I want to talk about water. You know, I want to talk about what connects us, but also what is between us, you know, um, in the two, you know, in, you know, this, 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 um, you know, what is, the, what is the body that separates us as, you know, as, as Aboriginal and as Maori people, and it's the water that we share, um, different sides of, of the same sea that we share. And so some of that was like obvious and, and feed, feed, feeling that kind of through, um, but I'd never like collaboratively written a poem with someone before. So finding the method for it was really, you know, we started off by like sending each other poems. I was sending like poems by different Maori writers that I liked and she sent me poems by different Aboriginal writers that she liked. And that was just a kind of initial point of um, point of stepping forwards. And we tried in a few, you know, we would send these letters and these fragments to each other and they became very confessional. And I was just like, oh, I'm using you as a therapist. This isn't poetry. (laughs) Um, So we were working. We spent some time working, working our way through to that. And Anna here, I think, just sensed that I was struggling to find the point of entry with the poem, which is pretty typical Mm. for me. Like that's, you know, a poem finds me, I don't find it usually. Or if I do, I've hunted it down and it's in anger and not in the kind of like peaceful collaborative method that we wanted. So she was like, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a story and I want you to find your part of the story and you to find how you speak into that story as well. And I... You know, one of the things that became really kind of like the structure of resonance with me was um, a poem I'd already written about my older sister. And, you know, Anna Hedda just has that same energy of, of, of my older sister. You know, she's um, uh, she works in education and Aboriginal community programs. And so, like, it was just like, ah, oh, I keep on wanting to write something new and I keep on going back to this like little unpublished poem that I wrote about like how great I think my big sister is 
And eventually I just worked out that the only way of finding a place, my place in this was to dismantle that that poem and to to draw the pieces that resonated with Anahera into this um, and then take up for the rest of it. I think it was this kind of like this this voice that I was trying to do that was like, I'm angry at anyone who has ever treated Anahera badly. So that's what's going into the poem. And it ended up as a weird, you know, it ended up as this kind of like weird dialogue but I do love it like to me it doesn't feel coherent but I also think that's the practice of a weaving kind of poetry method it's not meant to feel fully coherent I suppose yeah um, I promise it's good though listeners um please. no it's incredible it. <laughs> and do, you can very um you can very much see how you're joined in theme but your unique voices are shining through with your contributions and the different way you express yourselves that's something I really appreciate about the whole anthology mm. just um you can really see especially um I guess those whose writing sticks to something a bit more sort of um matter of fact versus yeah. the people who really like to paint a picture mm. and having those woven together I think was very powerful yeah, I think the whole structure of this kind of like collaborative juxtapositional method is that like either you're going to be, you're going to find a creative way to work against each other. And I don't mean that as a negative, but to kind of to keep pushing against each other and to keep pushing the other, you know, to do the next thing that steps something forward. Or, you know, what what ends up happening is you draw out the resonances between your own work and your own voices and I really like how in that process you know there's a kind of register that my poetry sometimes goes into which is just this sort of omniscient kind of um you know speaking to speaking to the universe um and that that had a place in the kind of cosmic order of Anna Hedda's voice I think which was really which was really cool, you know, finding finding these tones that we have both worked in sometimes in our own work, but that, that was the, just the most prominent point of connection in that process. And we didn't set out knowing that we would find that. Um, we just set out talking to each other and kind of made something out of that conversation. And for our listeners who are tuning in, we're talking about the Woven Anthology, which is coming up, I think, was it February 2nd? So, yeah, this is this is yeah. uh, upon us in the next week mm. um, to get your hands on. It's a collection of around, over 30 different First Nations voices coming together, literally woven from Aboriginal voices with First Nations people across the world, from Sami, from Aotearoa. Uh, coming together to uh, create something very unique and beautiful. And we're speaking with Evelyn Araluen about a piece that she's created with Anahera Gildia, which is called A Water Suite. And I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about why, because the poem is gorgeous, it's extensive, mm-hmm. um, but it does sort of get grouped under three themes, which have a number of terms associated with them. Um, so I'm just going to choose one of the terms out of each, which is salt water, fresh water, and deep water. I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could tell us a bit about those themes and why that grouping occurred. Yeah, so we worked out that culturally and familiarly we we have we each have connections to um we both have connections to both f- uh freshwater and saltwater. Um so um whether that be places we'd lived or whether that be our cultural affiliations. Um Bunjalung is a saltwater nation, um but I was born and raised um in the Hawkesbury on Daragnura at the part where it is. Um brackish and fresh water but also you know um the deep water and and i don't want to speak too much for that out of um you know kind of respect because that that 
comes from Anna Hitter's kind of positioning. Um, and she was like, listen, I really want to talk about deep water, which has a really significant cultural meaning in a Maori context. Um, and we discussed it and explored that and realized that like that might be, um, you know, there might be like a particular kind of like linguistic emphasis on that and cultural emphasis on deep water um, uh, for Maori people, but that, that, you know, Bundjalung and the other nations that I've got like education from or affiliations to, or that I've, I've, you know, been, um, I've been living in throughout my life, you know, that's actually like a really, it's a really shared thing. And, and deep water has, um, you know, deep water has this, this set of implications and connections to our creator ancestors and to the spirits that are, um, you know, that are still in the earth and that are sleeping in the earth after having made it and protected it um, for so long. And so we kind of did this sort of grouping that I think in some manners was about thinking about the times and the lives that we've se- we've spent when we lived in, say, freshwater land or when we lived in saltwater land. And then the purpose of the deep water section was really kind of just like trying to draw that in for a conversation really about responsibility um, and culpability. And for Anahira, I think, you know, that was a practice of um, sort of ventriloquizing a community dialogue. And for me, it was about laying out this kind of like set of inner personal voices of anxiety, of um, insecurity and inferiority and letting them play out against each other under the guys you know under the gaze of her voice in that section um and so yeah we just tried to i think draw on different points of connection through that process um and deep water was really this kind of like place where it all meets and it all matters the most in in that space so um you know we had a lot of really amazing conversations culturally that wouldn't wouldn't have come out of any other kind of collaboration if that had been with a non-Indigenous poet. We never would have talked about the cultural meaning of those things. And while, you know, we didn't feel comfortable sharing all of that in the poem itself because we both are really, you know, adamant believers in the secret and the sacred and that being something that has to be protected from just general consumption, you know, it was grounding the project in that knowledge that meant that what we did write, I think, you know, just felt um, felt like the truest articulation of that that connection that we would have been able to have. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. That's that's um, that's so much to so much to absorb. It is quite beautiful, I guess. That sort of the peak you've been given into the, for example, like the deep water um, sacredness in the context of Maori um, traditions, mm-hmm. and then you being able to provide an insight there. It seems uh, like you really do get unique um, outcomes out of those collaborations and finding those shared experiences as well, despite uh, geographical differences. So I was going to ask if you could indulge me a second as a sky lover. So, um, of course, in your writing, my eyes hone in as soon as I see anything astronomy related mentioned. And you were, you were writing about um, the Sky River, which, uh, you know, for those who are unaware, is the Milky Way in the sky, that beautiful rip that we see, that beautiful sky cloud um, that we see across the sky at night. And so I just wanted to know on like a, I guess a personal level, like what significance does sky country, sky country hold for you? Yeah, I mean... It's it's impossible to, to distinguish that 
from the cultural and the personal and familial. Um, it's you know I've I've moved interstate and I've lived in a few different places across New South Wales and Australia now, and um, the sky is a pretty you know that's a pretty grounding sort of map um, and and way of of seeing your position in the world um and it's not it's not universal you know like i've been i've been to the northern hemisphere and i've looked up and i've just been incredibly confused and disappointed um <laughs> so it's it's always been this kind of like point of return for me you know when i was a kid my bedroom window um and i had terrible insomnia as a child and i would just watch you know, and I don't even know what they're, they're actually called in English or anything like that, but I would just watch these two pointer stars move across the sky overnight and that would be how I would measure, you know, how bad I was going to feel <laughs> the next day <laughs> um, because I wasn't sleeping. And that just being a thing that I just did every single night of my childhood has just meant that I have, you know, I am I am deeply found and placed in, in the stars Um and, you know, and there's all, all – I mean, I'm not going to tell you about all of the cultural implications of, of the Sky River and any of that because you know a hell of a lot more than I do there's about so many that. more to learn. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's more to learn for you, but there's a lot more for me to learn about that as well. Um, and, yeah, there's the obvious of, like, um, you know, we call it Balan, which, you know, means the Milky Way, but also the river. And then, of course, there's Dinawan and, um, you know, I had family and, and – Dinawan Reserve up in the up in the north too, and so there's like linguistic and and um, and historical connections to those to those terms and languages. Um, but it occurred to me that that Anaheda probably had roughly the same sky that I did. Um, and you know, as we think about the waters that that we share and the molecules of water that that would have drifted from you know Hoiwe to to my rivers you know it was it was this duality of of um it was this duality of the sea and the sky that i think played a really important role in how we you know how we placed our connections as opposed to our points of conflict and 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 differences you know people from two different indigenous nations and places and um yeah i i'm constantly trying to i'm constantly trying to get back to the places where i can see the sky as clearly as i did in my childhood and as clearly as as i had it at all of those moments and um so far the closest i've ever managed because of course pollution's just gotten worse and worse in my lifetime so it took me going down to um uh going down to lutrawita around um geraldton and and driving along um a big lake they've got there and seeing just the full sky reflected on the water is the closest i've been able to get back to like the sky of my grandparents dam when i was a child and so we've got to find those places in memory and history but you know they're still there and we've got to look after them that was beautiful thank you so much for <laughs> indulging me that i'm so glad i asked about the skies 
Wow. You're not sick of them, you know? I never could be, apparently. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get very excited this time of year because there are certain constellations that you start to feel of as friends and they disappear for like six months of the year and they're here at the moment. And so for me, I'm just very inspired and yeah. so grateful. Emu nesting as well is one of those ones that just every year when, that, when I see it come out in the sky, it's just like, ah, there you are, my friend. It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? The yeah. I love the visible markers and knowing what we're experiencing in our environment. Yeah. Evelyn, thank you so much for your time, for your words. Um, and to all of our listeners as well, we're here talking about this incredible anthology of poems. It's called Woven. It's bringing together over 30 First Nations voices from across the world. Uh, they are really unique, incredible poems you really could only get through this very unique collaboration. And um, and it's in stores next week, yeah, Feb 2nd shops. from what I've heard. So jump in, get it. Um, and Evelyn, uh, all the best. Thank you so much for being on Indigenuity. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU.